Hey, welcome to The Scrum, WGBH's politics podcast. I'm Adam Riley with Peter Kadzis. Peter, howdy. How you doing? I'm all right. What about you? I'm not bad. Good. In this episode, you are going to hear our colleague Mike Dean talk with Massachusetts Senate President Karen Spilka about the current two-year legislative session, which is basically at the halfway point. They cover a lot of interesting ground, including why the legislature takes so long to cross things off its to-do list and what Spilka thinks of former Governor Deval Patrick's presidential bid. But first, Peter Kadzis, you spent pretty much all of last week watching the impeachment hearings for WGBH News. And now you've had a few days to digest everything that you saw and heard. What is your sense of where we as a country are headed at this moment in time? Well, it was about 35 hours. And in retrospect, I consider it an investment in history. Interestingly enough, I pretty much think the same thing today that I thought before the whole Intelligence Committee hearings began. And that's, um, l- let me quote an old Boston Latin School alumnus, uh, class of 1817, by the name of Ralph Waldo Emerson, who famously said, when you strike at a king, you must kill him. Um, there is no more likelihood today than there was two weeks ago of the Senate voting to remove President Trump from the White House. And you look at the polls, uh, I just before we came down here checked with 538, you know, the, the, the blue chip authority on this stuff, 48.6% support, 44.1% oppose. You know, nothing has really changed. By by the way, this might be a peak since October 30th or something, but it's it's a month later. Now, the, the investigation into the Ukraine is taking a lot of twists and turns. Maybe some other things will emerge. But um, the, the fact is, I think impeachment may be a factor in the presidential election in 2020, but it's very hard to say. My, my pet theory is that the American public has almost put impeachment, you know, in a little box and put that box over to the left or the right, depending on your point of view, and almost views public affairs, you know, through a prism of anything but impeachment. It's very hard to say. Um, and I'll tell you this, I think there's an excellent chance that uh, Donald Trump will be reelected. Way too early to say. And if he's impeached and not removed this time, it's going to be a very hard tool to bring back if needed during a second Trump administration. All right. On that note, here is WGBH News State House correspondent Mike Dean's in-depth conversation with State Senate President Karen Spilka. After they're done, stay tuned for a little bit more from Peter and me. Thank you, Madam President, for coming down to the uh, WGBH studio in the basement of the State House. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me. I know it was a late night last night. This yes, where, it, this morning. And listeners should know that it was the end of the legislative session for the year. Uh, they you know, had a, a long agenda that we can talk about and things that, that uh, got passed. And that's kind of where I wanted to, to start off and just you know updating people on what did the legislature just get done? It was a, a flurry of bills that got passed, and that, that would be a good place to 
Right, right. Well, last week, I have to start with last week when we did the uh, pharmaceutical cost containment and ac increased access bill. Mm -hmm. That was a great bill, uh, which will reduce costs, uh, current costs of prescription drugs. It will make a really big difference in people being able to afford the price of prescription drugs. So I'm hoping that that eventually gets passed and, and will help people across the Commonwealth. Uh, just the, the last couple of days, we ended up uh, sending to the governor's desk, working with the House, both of us trading proposals, getting it done, and, uh, you know, not getting everything that we originally want, which is part of the, the give and take of compromising in, in either conference committee or the final uh, end, end of, the, of getting it done. We did the hands-free driving, where we uh, prohibit people holding a cell phone. They cannot once this takes effect, they can no longer hold the cell phones and talks or text. Mm -hmm. Like many other states and New England yes, has. Yes, yes. Finally, we have a hands-free bill uh, that will become law, I believe, hopefully by next week. We also included some uh, better protections for data collection and the use of data collection and uh, made a big improvement over what is an existing law, and that will hopefully make a difference and, and be a part of it. So that that is something... Can I pause you there on, yeah. on that, the, the hands-free, the, the distracted driving bill? You're satisfied with that compromise that uh, Chairman Bonacore and, uh, and Strauss came up with that, that addresses uh, the racial element you know, here? I wish it was the Senate language fully. It was, uh, I believe, uh, a little bit more detailed and and complete, but in an effort to to get something done and in the spirit of compromise. This is the art. I've learned over my years in the State House. You very rarely get every single thing that you want. There's a give and take, and that is really important. And we needed to get this bill done. We needed to get it on the governor's desk. We need this to be law. So I do believe that it will save lives. So that uh, for for that, yes, I, I think we can continue to work on it as well as it gets implemented. If we need to tweak it or change it or make major changes to it. We can certainly do that. So we did that. The other bill that is something that, that I am especially proud of, something that I ran for the legislature 18 years ago. Today is my anniversary of 18 years being sworn in. Happy Thank anniversary. You. Thank you. Um, it blows me away to realize that I have been working on this issue for that long. We passed the Student Opportunity Act, also known as the Education Funding Reform mm -hmm. Bill. That's one and a half billion dollars over seven yes. years. Yes, I'm sure anyone listening to the GBH radio uh, has heard me I hope repeatedly so. I hope report so. on this bill. This bill will invest, as you just said, $1.5 billion in our K-12 education system over the next seven years. It will make a difference in every single district and for every single child, I believe, and hopefully, finally get rid of that persistent achievement gap, which we have tried over these last few years since we passed the 1993 Ed Reform Bill. Uh, we made some changes, as you know, in 06, 07 uh, to address the equity and, and predictability. It was this adequacy that, that had eluded us for years and, and decades, actually. And our education system has changed so much over the last 25 years. So it did not take into account the rising costs or any costs of health care and uh, the adequacy of, of uh, with low-income students or English learners and so many other things, special education costs. So we increased that. We also, personally important to me, 
uh, prior social worker counseling kids, uh, the uh, the rates for the, the guidance and social workers in the schools, uh, that will make a big difference. So that's just the ed funding piece itself. We also committed to fully funding the charter re- reimbursement in three years. Yep. That's a significant It'll, it investment. It goes up every yes, uh, until three, it reaches 100% in three years, what, yeah. which had been a persistent complaint exactly. from cities and towns for a exactly. very long time. Exactly, and rightfully so. Uh, we also changed the special education circuit breaker, the amount that we reimburse cities and towns for placing students outside of their district. Currently, it's based on a formula that just looks at, at uh, instruction, strict curriculum and instruction. We know that sometimes the cost of transporting the, these children to outside district placements is even more than the cost of the instruction, yet it was not included in the SPED circuit breaker. So we include that. That will significantly increase the reimbursement going to cities and towns for their costs. Mm-hmm. So that is significant. The last th- major thing that we did was um, increases the annual cap on the school building authority from $600 million to $800 million thereby allowing many more schools to build their much-needed school systems renovations uh, much sooner in a timely manner to meet the needs of their students as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing I do want to mention, just because, I mean, there's so it's many a, good a, things yeah, we, we in this bill. We could be here all day for We this could, bill. and I, 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 I will come back another time, but people should know, because this is also important, it took so long, so many years to get the Foundation Budget Review Commission bill passed and, and organized, and, and then they did a terrific job. We shouldn't have to wait 20, 25 years for another time. Over time, in the next 20 years, 10 years, things will change. We have a provision in this bill to have it not more than 10 years, another Foundation Budget Review Commission to look at this. And I, what I wanted to get into here on that point is what changed between last year when the legislature came very close and then did not pass uh, a school funding bill and this year? Because there were some differences uh, in strategy between the House and the Senate. There were different negotiators between the House and the Senate. Uh, How would you characterize what changed between a year ago when everyone was very disappointed in the legislature and this year where everyone is is rightfully, you know, praising the job well done at this halfway point? You know, it's always hard to quantify and specify what has changed when things are successful and you've been working so long and finally getting it through. Uh, I I could say I only know for me as my time as Senate president, this has been a a top priority for me, for the members in the Senate. I do believe the members in the House as well. Uh, and, And this was something that we all knew that this needs to get done for the benefit of our children. And and for me personally, as Senate president, you know, I made the commitment to try to get this done the first year of this session. And I should say that it was what we would call pre-conferenced in a way, where the House and the Senate leadership made an agreement beforehand, went their separate directions in the in the chambers, and then you know re-compromised uh, to a, for a final bill. And that is unique on Beacon Hill. It doesn't happen very right. often. It's a great model, and we should do it more. And I believe the two chairs, Senator Senate Chair Jason Lewis and, and House uh, Chair Representative Alice Peich, worked really well together, did a great job. They spent hours and hours and hours, and their staff spent hours and hours going through this and came out with a final bill that was a terrific bill. We built upon it a little bit in the Senate. They built upon it a little bit in the House. And then we did convene, and in conference committee, they accepted many of the changes. 
but it, it so it made it even stronger. Uh, and this is a terrific bill. This is a bill that people have been talking about for years and years and years, and I'm sure that you have heard it uh, in your role as president, but also, you know, in your prior role as chairman of Ways and Means, and prior to that, just as a sitting senator for so long from your constituents. Um, One thing I would like to answer for people is a question that I'm asked a lot is why the deadline crunch? Why do we have nights like last night, which is the last night before uh, recess, before the rest of the year, and what we'll see in July, which is the drop dead point for the session entirely? Uh, A lot of people will say, why can't Beacon Hill pass these bills a little more routinely? Why is it the last day? Why does it work that way? It's a good question. It's a great question. Uh, I'm sure you know, it's, it's not a new question. Right. And I'm I sure think you've answered we, it before. we in the legislature even ask that of ourselves sometimes. But, you know, I could say to people, well, April 15th, why do most tax returns get filed April 15th? So the, a, it's an the element deadline. of human nature. Exactly. And I think, though, also it's it's uh, coupled with uh, a few things. There's a lot going on. There's all the senators have their their committees, their bills, their issues, their their districts out there. So th- there's a lot going on, uh, and they continue to work on the the issues, whether it be the committee bill like the Student Opportunity Act or the bills that they are taking the lead sponsorship on. Uh, that that a deadline does, even though it's arbitrary, it does tend to motivate human. Na- it's human nature. Um, if there was a better way, we can try. We've tried to sometimes pass bills a little bit earlier to try to get them going. Sometimes that helps. This is a this was a deadline. It was a deadline in a way, though. This is just a recess. It's not the end of the session, yes. li- like upcoming July 31st. It's before a, a recess. So if we hadn't gotten it done, we would have come back, continued to work on it the rest of November, December, and hopefully have it resolved by, by January. But I'm really proud of the hard work that the Senate has put in and all of the members in getting the hands-free, the Student Opportunity Act, uh, the the Act on Child Wellness, the um, campaign finance bill, the vaping bill we got done last night. Uh, and then at the end, the Senate also did the plastic bag ban. Is there more to do? Of course, there's always more to do. And we will keep working at it. To that point, I want to ask you about what's next on your agenda. You know, you mentioned things like the plastic bag ban, uh, which is something that, you know, kind of a, a almost a surprise bill that you uh, came out with on Monday. The Senate passed it on Wednesday. And this is going to inform a debate down the line when the House will potentially have their own uh, next year. Um, but there I are, just want to mention, yeah. I said like months ago that I wanted to try to get that done before the break. So okay. it was something that was out there, and many of the members uh, stated that that was a priority, that we needed to do something mm-hmm. on that issue. Would you call that the uh, the major environmental bill that the Senate did this year? I would say it's one of the major environmental bills. I believe that we will be doing more. And uh, as you ask what's up for the future, uh, I believe soon after the, the new year comes, uh, and we are working hard on uh, a major uh, mental health an opioid addiction bill to look at how can we truly be transformative in our approach to mental health, mental illness, so that we can get rid of the stigma of mental health and we can truly achieve parity so people look at it not as mental health or physical health, but just health and wellness. That is what we need to be doing, and that is we need to be treating it equally. 
So that is something that, that I'm really excited about. And then subsequently later on, there will be another uh, health care bill. Um, so Senator Sear, the chair of mental health and substance abuse, is working on the mental health. Senator Friedman is working on a continuation of health care. Uh, we will also be doing a major climate change sustainability bill. I stated a, a, about a month ago that we're hoping to get that done and through by, by January as well, soon after the new year. Transportation reform, as you know, the House, in terms of any revenue, if it's a money bill, the House must go first. We cannot generate uh, revenue first, so that, that has to come from the House first. We, we have a great transportation working group. Senator Joe Boncori is leading that up, looking and meeting with people. So uh, we, we should be ready for that, for that both short-term and long-term, uh, as well as Senator Adam Hines. One of the first things I did uh, was ask him to lead up. He's the Senate chair of the Revenue Committee, uh, to lead up a formal working group on looking at our revenue, looking at our tax code, our personal, our corporate hasn't been updated in decades. You, you look at it, we talked about education reform and the need for updating. I believe our tax code needs to be updated. Our economy, 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, nobody even knew much about a digital economy. What would that mean? What was it? Things have changed. We need to update our tax code. I don't know where that will go, but I think we need, we need to do it and, and so they are working on that and working closely with Senator Boncori, Senator Brownsberger, and others. On taxes, were you disappointed when House Speaker DeLeo um, essentially punted on his transportation tax plans for this year? He had wanted to the House to pass a transportation tax bill, potentially a, a hike to the gas tax along those lines somewhere. Things for, you know, roads, bridges, the MBTA. Um that the Senate didn't have an opportunity to, to work on. But it sounds like you have much longer-term, kind of broader-in-scope plans than well, we just have, a targeted transportation tax. Right. We have short-term uh, goals and, and plans that, that hopefully we can get done. Again, the House must go first, and then long-term as well. I think so often government doesn't look long-term. You have a crisis, you deal with the crisis, you move on. And we need to ensure we deal with that crisis, but we also look ahead to see, well, in the next year, the next three years, five years, what are other crises that probably will happen? How can we take steps now to avoid them? Mm -hmm. Back to one of the previous points I was making about how people perceive the legislature. And it's actually very much like that long-term thing that you just said. We're hearing from these presidential candidates, um, our own Elizabeth Warren, Senator Warren, about a major structural change in in society, not just in government, but in, in, in the United States of America. I, If I were a Elizabeth Warren supporter with those ideals, a, a very progressive Massachusetts Democrat, I would be looking at the very Democratic Massachusetts legislature and their veto-proof majorities and wondering why Massachusetts is not uh, putting forward as ambitious a progressive agenda as would be possible given the number of votes they have. Um, I personally, as a reporter up here, spend a lot of my time explaining to folks uh, how moderate things can be around here um, and how lawmakers have a lot of different things to answer to, and it's not all Elizabeth Warren's. It's not a building of Warren's. Right. But how do you answer that question? When, when someone says, why aren't you really looking at single-payer? Why aren't you looking at... Uh, a 
extremely expensive modern transportation system. Why aren't you taking closer votes, quite frankly? Why does everything have to be unanimous? In the Senate, things are not unanimous. I mean, if you look at the votes yesterday on all of the bills, um, some of them were unanimous. Some of the amendments were far from unanimous. Uh, I, I think it's important for people to to vote what's important to them. Uh, but um, people, you know, I would love for people to come to the legislature to watch what's going on in some of the sessions, either the House or the Senate. The legislature is 200 are 200 people from diverse backgrounds, diverse areas of the state, experience, diverse experiences, upbringings, families, interests. And that's the beauty of the legislature, actually. It truly is representational of the people of Massachusetts. So you have 160 representatives in the House, 40 senators in the Senate. And we all come here with differences. I may be a Democrat, but I may have different feelings than other Democrats for certain issues because of my upbringing, my my background, my education experience, my family, for whatever reasons. Uh, so we don't all agree. Uh, just like you know, and we we work closely with the Republicans in in the Senate. I think that's important. It's a very different situation than what you hear and see in Washington. Thank God. Uh, so people vote and and debate and take on issues that are important to them. And it's a wide spectrum. And that is welcome. That is healthy. The debate is healthy. Because I think that through that debate, more and more issues come out. And, you know, somebody makes a suggestion and somebody else will build on that suggestion, may not have even thought of that original suggestion, but can build on it. And then that's the seed that just keeps growing and growing. And you finally end up with a final product, a tree that is just magnificent. And that's what you go with. At the deadline. (laughs) Maybe, or maybe before. But, you know, you end up with something that is much better, richer, um, you know, more accepted and inclusive because of that participation. So it, it is a process and you need a majority vote to get things through. So there's a give and take and that's why compromise is so important in this business as well. What would you say the role of the uh, the Republican Party is in the Senate? Uh, they've they've just lost two members. We don't know. know if they will be succeeded by other Republicans. Um, but right now, you know, there were there were six out of 40. Now there are four with two departing uh, for other other positions. Um, what role do they play? Because there are a number of, of unanimous votes and, and party right. party line votes, party line debates happen in the Senate. Um, Senator Bruce Tarr, the major the minority leader, very eloquent is, Bruce Tarr. And yeah, I would I would recommend anyone come down and watch a Senate right. session if, if they want to see rhetoric in action in action um, from Senator Tarr. But uh, I, I would say, you know, to, to flash back to my what would a Warren supporter say? about the Massachusetts legislature, what would a Donald Trump supporter in Massachusetts, and there are plenty, uh, say about how Republicans are dealing with things in Massachusetts? Um, not to make you put on a, a conservative hat here, but are are they exercising a conservative influence equivalent to their numbers? They exercise a, a, an influence. I, I hate labeling Things, whether it be you know progressive necessarily or or, or conservative, um, we include the Republicans. I have weekly meetings with the Minority Leader Bruce Tarr to go over issues coming up, to hear him, to uh, work closely with him. I, I think that 
again, everybody is represented by approximately the same number of people in their district and uh, have the right to have their issues, their, 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 you know, known, their knowledge and expertise shared. Uh, and I, I believe that the Republicans participate. We sometimes don't agree, and sometimes that's very strongly we don't agree, but we debate it, we vote on it, and then we move on. You know, we put that behind us and move on to the next issue, which is the way it should be. Speaking of Republicans, um, the most important Republican here is Charlie Baker, the governor. One thing when you were ticking off uh, issues that you wanted to, to get to, uh, I noticed, you know, you said health care. Everyone has health care on their agenda, including the governor. But a number of notable exceptions would be housing. Yeah, we do have housing is a priority uh, as well. His dangerousness bill, uh, things like that. And, and people who watch this very closely, uh, he, you know, he has, the Baker agenda did not get very far in year one of the two year session. And that might cause some pause. Usually the governor's agenda when he says this is the most important thing that we need to do. And he would make the argument that his housing bill, which would um, uh, change local regulations on zoning to allow more housing in, in cities and towns, that that is a long term solution that needs to happen ASAP because we are in a housing crisis. So, you know, maybe housing is where we should focus this. But why has the Baker agenda not seen purchase this year? I think that they have. I mean, the hands-free was an important bill to them as well. Uh, I know uh, education reform was important to the governor. Again, I, I believe that we work closely with the administration. We don't always agree. Uh, we debate it. We discuss it. The Senate passes what's important to the 40 members. That's who, who they are focusing on, taking into account their districts, their constituents, and the needs of the state. So clear, clearly, uh, a lot of that coincides with what Governor Baker wants to get done. It may be in a different form, but, but we, we often get, get it done. So, so I'm not certain, you know, I do believe that the governor has seen some successes. I believe that housing is something uh, that is is on the Senate's Senate's radar and is a priority. We need to have more affordable uh, working family housing in Massachusetts, uh, and I think that that is something that. And we took steps. I think two sessions ago, we did a major housing zoning bill, including a variation of what the governor is proposing with the voting issue. So I think we had it as a, a local option, but. Um, so we will debate that again as well. I think that housing is very important with uh, economic development and income inequality and uh, ability to, to keep a job and take, I mean, just to, to live for families. Housing is a major priority. These are the issues that people are thinking about. And I think that as 2020 approaches, people are going to be thinking about those pocketbook issues, so to speak. And you know, we, right. all, we always talk about that. In, Prescription in, in drugs, years. housing, transportation you know, it's it's hard to um, look. We, we see so many issues coming up about either uh, lowering our tax base or whatever, yet we realize we have the needs for housing. Transportation is going to cost some funding. Uh, education, not only K-12 education, higher education, we need to be investing more. Early education, we need to be investing more. So many areas, uh, climate change and, and beyond, 
So, uh, and the, the working families, individuals, low income are bearing the brunt and really having it, it hard. So we need to look at ways to, to make it easier for them to lower the cost of public transportation, to make it more uh, affordable for them all around. I mean, all of these things are on the Senate's agenda for next year. If we look at um, the Democrats running for president, and again, back to Elizabeth Warren, I guess, when she's making her single-payer pitch, she's asking voters to, yes, pay higher taxes, but you will end up paying less in health care down the road if we establish a functional single-payer payer system. That's the ask to voters. Are you going to make a similar ask to Massachusetts voters? Because everything you just listed there is going to be a very hefty uh, tax price tag that to pay for higher education, to pay for all of these things that you just listed there, can you can you go to the public, have your members go to the public and say, hey, look, it's time to be liberal. It's time to raise taxes to pay for what we need to pay for. Is that politically what you want to do? The Senate and the House did pass uh, the first time to put the millionaire's tax on the ballot in, in a couple of years. We have to do it again next session, uh, but that would raise close to $2 billion dollars $1 billion for education, all of the areas that I just talked about, $1 billion for transportation. So that would certainly help those areas. What about the middle class, though? That's one thing that you know Warren is admitting, that this will, would be a middle class tax hike, again, in lieu of uh, health care expenses. Is that something that could happen here? I mean, we're talking about the gas tax. We're talking about you know the income taxes on the, the margins of this kind of debate. Uh, is there something that you could see hitting the middle class in, in a tax? You know, again, the revenue working group is working right now. The transportation group is working right now. I, I don't even want to uh, guess what they would, would be coming up with, but I know uh, the senators are very concerned about squeezing the middle class, the low income right now that are already feeling squeezed and how we need to try to figure out ways to have a more, and this is you know what, what Senator Hines is working on, how to make our tax code more not only efficient and effective and capture the revenues faster so that we're not, if there's a no, totally new sector, it doesn't take us three to five years to, to tax them, but how to make it more progressive to help the low income and our middle class thrive here in our economy. We have a wonderful state. There's so much going on, but we need to do more for our low income and middle class. Do any of the ideas that are on stage in these Democratic presidential debates strike you? Have any of the candidates impressed you? I, I think that there's a terrific group of candidates. I think that whoever does get the nomination, I'm hoping that they they have been listening to all of the candidates who have come up with really some out-of-the-box ideas. Uh, and that's what you want. You want those new out-of-the-box seeds to germinate and, and take a hold and, and to grow. Um, I have already uh, come out in support of Elizabeth Warren, so uh, I'm hoping that she is, and I'm sure she is, listening carefully to what all of the other candidates, but I'm proud of the, the group that, that are running. I think we have some fantastic can candidates there. What about Deval Patrick? You, you served as a senator when he was governor here for his entire time. I, I, I wish him all the, the luck. Would he make a good president? Just, you know, you know him as a legislator. Um, if he was in the Oval Office, if he was trying to get a budget bill through Congress, would he be successful? Would he be uh, equipped to do that? 
I'm sure that that like any other governor, he he got a lot of skills in the eight years that that he was there and working in government. Um, and I'm sure, uh, you know, he's he would do a, a fine job as well. All right. Well, we can leave it there. Thank you very much, Madam President, for joining us on the Scrum here at WGBH. Thank you. So, Peter Kadzis, what did you think of what Senate President Spilka had to say? Adam, I've got two thoughts. One was uh, that was a pretty tepid mention of former Governor Deval Patrick. It sounded like she was gritting her teeth as she said the requisite semi-pleasant things about her. I mean, it's a reminder that while Deval Patrick was very popular with voters at large, he was not a well-liked guy on Beacon Hill. Um, in a large part because he ran against the legislature. But um, he was not a legislatively friendly chief executive, perhaps in some ways like his pal, former President Barack Obama. But there's no love lost between Beacon Hill and Deval Patrick. The second thing is about uh, a pretty important bill that was passed, the hands-free driving measure. God knows not a week goes by that I'm not almost mowed down by someone talking or texting on the phone. But um, I I think Spilker's a little too self-congratulatory, and that is understandable. She is not an individual member of the state Senate. She speaks for the body and has to represent the body. And frankly, she hasn't been Senate president very long. But almost every other state in the union has a measure like this, and it took Beacon Hill over 10 years to get to it. You know, um, the Senate president is right when she said this is a bill that will save lives. Um, My challenge to both houses is if it will save lives, what the heck took so long? And and let me go back a little bit. It, it, It took so long because... Essentially, behind the scenes, police forces across the state didn't want to be held accountable for um, racially motivated traffic stops. Uh, A compromise, as she explained, has been worked out. But again, a general question. What the heck took so long? That compromise was sitting there in plain sight for years. Yeah, and if it's going to save lives moving forward, as you pointed out to me when we were talking at our cube the other day, it would have saved lives in previous years. Right, but but both both the Senate president and Speaker DeLeo, it must bother them sometimes that they that Beacon Hill comes into so much criticism as an institution. This is a perfect example of why. Now, as we record, the governor will be signing a landmark piece of education funding legislation that both the House and the Senate did the best job they could on. Um, It's a real step forward, so I don't want to be totally negative here. Um, But acting with dispatch would improve the public's view of Beacon Hill. I got to say, when the Senate president asked by Mike why stuff gets finished up at the last minute, year in, year out, when she said, well, it's like when people do their taxes at the last minute, I 
found myself silently screaming as I listened at my desk, this is your job. It's different than taxes. Taxes is something or are something that we do because we have to. It's not our primary responsibility. But if you're a legislator, you said you wanted this role. So I, I don't know. I, I found that a little bit unconvincing. Well, by the way, I, I share your sentiment. Um, let's just say being Speaker of the House or being President of the Senate must be like trying to herd cats. All right. That is going to do it for another installment of The Scrum. Big thanks to Senate President Karen Spilka for being a part of it and to Mike Dean for serving as our eyes and ears at the State House. And as always, thanks to you for listening. Subscribe to The Scrum if you haven't already. Rate us while you're at it and talk back to us via email. We're at scrum at wgbh.org or on Twitter. I'm at Riley Adam and Peter. I am at Kadzis. We get crucial production help from Dave Goodman, John Parker, and Andrew Maswa, as well as Gary Mott, who was our engineer today. I'm Adam Riley. The Scrum is a production of WGBH News.